0: Lord, take our words and speak through them. Take our thoughts and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, first things first. Hi, everybody. It's been a minute. I'm glad to be back. I've missed y'all and they've been in my thoughts and prayers. So a little brief synopsis. I've been doing some camping, some traveling. Been practicing retirement from my real estate business. Let me add, and I've spent some time working my hands at Camp Weed, doing some carpentry work, electrical work, small instrument repair, tree work. But all in all, I'm very happy to be back. It's good to see you all. But today's gospel reading from Mark, and today, of course, is the first Sunday in Advent, and as Martha Lisa just said, and it is a time of preparation, of anticipation of the expectation of something profound and momentous that's about to happen. Now, do you remember as a kid how long it seemed between Christmases? And yes, I understand, for many of us here, me included, it's tough to remember being a kid because it's been a really, really long time. But try. Try to put yourself, say, in Charlie's shoes for a second. Charlie's not here, but Tell Charlie we miss him. <laughs> Just think about the anticipation of Christmas morning, of a brightly lit tree, of the gifts that Santa brought, of cookies, cakes, and candies, of families coming together in love and laughter. Or for Finn Mira. Think of this, his first Christmas. His bright and curious one-year-old brain pondering the wonder of the decorations of the activity. And oh, I get stuff. And while Finn may not comprehend it fully yet, he will, definitely, especially the getting stuff thing. But for me, Advent's a time of contemplation. Of God's coming to us in the form of a tiny human child. Born into a time of great upheaval and turmoil. To a working class family who found themselves in desperate circumstances. The birth and life of Jesus is, to we believers, the signal event in human history. And the challenge to Deacon Mike at the other end of the life calendar from Charlie and Finn is to more fully live into the promises the birth of a Savior brings, to strive to become more loving, more giving and forgiving, to seek better understanding and acceptance, and to rest in the sense that for now, In this moment, in this season, with faith and hope, everything's going to be okay. Which makes today's gospel reading from Mark, our kickoff to the Advent season, seem rather odd and discordant, doesn't it? Sort of out of place. Because Jesus speaks words of foreboding and judgment in what usually to us is a time of hope and promise and of light. Our thoughts of a tiny baby born in a stable to a young Jewish girl in the company of farm animals versus a conquering king descending from heaven flanked by legions of angels. Or think of the guiding star ignited to lead the magi to the Christ child as contrasted with stars and planets falling from the firmament and the sun and the moon darkened. It's quite different imagery, isn't it? Mark's depiction of the second coming, in Jesus' words, pretends an end that many of us would like to deny. But, not surprisingly, C.S. Lewis has something to say about the second coming. And this is from an essay entitled The World's Last Night that he wrote near the end of his life in 1960. Now, since much of C.S. Lewis's writings is in a Victorian prose and a bit stodgy to our modern ears, I will paraphrase some why. But the first point Lewis puts forth is this. As modern humans living in the Western world, we sometimes believe that society will advance to some future state of flawlessness. He says, we've been thought to think of the world as something that grows slowly towards perfection something that progresses or evolves. The idea which here shuts out the second coming from our minds, the idea of the world slowly ripening to perfection is a myth, not a generalization from experience. In other words, from his 1960 perspective, he challenges us to look around, to examine history and reflect on what you see. Well, in 1960, there were wars, famine, disease, racial and ethnic unrest, fear and uncertainty, political discord. Now, if we roll the clock forward to 2023, could we state the same things are true? Wars, famine, disease, racial and ethnic unrest, widespread fear and uncertainty, political discord? I'll leave that question to you. But the larger issue that C.S. Lewis is pointing out here is that we live in a fallen world that Jesus Christ was born into to sanctify, to redeem, and to incorporate into the larger family of God. And newsflash for you, it's always been a fallen world. If we humans could perfect ourselves and our world as time goes on, well, now we wouldn't need Jesus, would we? And the second point is this. Lewis states that it seems to me impossible to retain in any recognizable form our belief in the divinity of Christ and the truth of the Christian revelation while abandoning the promised and threatened return. word threatened is interesting. And since I do speak a little Victorian, I'll try to unpack that a little. Given our broken world, and Christ promises he must return to complete the establishment of God's kingdom. After all, we proclaim every week that he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. And this was the central tenet of Christ's message to us, the certainty of his return. Today, from Mark we hear, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great glory. Then he will send out his angels and gather his elect, and that includes us, from the four winds, from the ends of heaven to the ends of earth. Or from Luke 17, When the Son of Man comes, he will be as lightning that shines from one part of the sky to another. Or how about from John 17, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Now to summarize Jesus' teachings on the second coming, C.S. Lewis gives us three takeaways. Number one, he will certainly return. The world as we know it will end. This is a spiritual truth as well as a scientific fact. Number two, we cannot possibly find out or know when this will happen. Many have predicted down to the day and the hour when the end would come. But we're still here. Predictor of Christ's return is not a wise career choice. And the scientific estimates, the best scientific minds, the time of our planetary demise, well, they vary by a few billion years, give or take. But again from Mark, Jesus says, But about the day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And the third point, Therefore, we must always be ready for him. Again from Mark, Jesus says, For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn. Or else he may find you asleep when he comes. Heck, for all I, we know, he could return today before we leave this place. So, anyone have a roast in the oven, or clothes in the washer, or tea time, football tickets? But, you know, after painting such a rosy picture for Advent 1, you guys may want me to go back on sabbatical. I'm not sure. But wait, there is good news. And I think it's this. We believers are living in an in between time. Or, to use the $300 per hour psychological term, we're living in a liminal space, a space between significant events. And the events in our case are the birth of a tiny tiny child come to earth as God's Messiah to establish God's kingdom on earth and the day of his return when the kingdom will be fully established and time as we know it will end. We're living in a state of already, but not yet. As already Jesus was born and established the means by which we mortals are drawn into the fellowship of God, but not yet do we live in full communion with God. Already, God's realm is established, but not yet is that realm realm fully established. So we live in the meantime. We wait, we watch, and we pray. And we live in accordance with the teachings of He who taught us how to live when He walked the earth, and He will come again. And just maybe, in this meantime, in this liminal space, we can experience some of what life in God's kingdom will be like. And both events, the birth of Christ and his second coming, should be sources of great hope and joy to us. For there is no fear for those who live into the promises and follow Christ's teachings, it reminds me of something my grandmother would say in times of great stress and upset. There'd be a big sigh. <sighs> Michael, I'm just ready for Jesus to come back. <laughs> because you see, there are no worries for the believer. The end is not terror. Eternal joy is the reward. So let's live into the Advent season. Childlike with wonder and expectation. But sober. Sober. Mindful that there's still work to be done. The challenge for me, as for all of us as believers, is to live so that it doesn't matter when Christ returns. So let me leave you with a bit of an old spiritual that comes to us from the Pentecostal tradition that's entitled, What a Morning. And it goes like this. You hear the trumpet sound to wake the nations underground. Looking to God's right hand when the stars begin to fall. My Lord, what a morning. Oh, my Lord, what a morning when the stars begin to fall. And just as the morning when Christ was born, my Lord, what a morning that will be indeed. Happy Advent. Amen. Amen.